0: Hello everybody, I'm Sean and welcome back to the Croc Time podcast, delivering weekly updates on markets and geopolitics, providing you with valuable insights and unique perspectives on events and trends shaping the world. Today, we are doing a deep dive on Italy's structural weaknesses, ranging from low labor market flexibility to poor public services and an inefficient public administration. Italy needs deep, tough and unpopular reforms if it wants to remain even remotely competitive this century. The current political establishment thinks otherwise and is unwilling to go ahead with major changes. Let's try to understand what Italy's weaknesses are and why tackling them is essential for the future of the nation. So let's cut to the chase. Between the 1950s and the 1990s, the Italian economy was the fastest growing in the entire OECD. It was a remarkable success story. Italy, in the 1950s, was the EU's poorest member and a large part of the economic growth story was simple catch-up. Throughout this period, Italy developed a strong manufacturing base and became the lowest cost maker of a variety of goods, ranging from cars and machine tools to refrigerators and washing machines. Catching up is easy, but being the leader in the pack is something completely different. In fact, in the 1990s, things started to turn for the worst. By this time, its labor costs had climbed towards and above the EU's average, and it wasn't a net recipient of EU funds anymore as it had been for decades. In addition, when Italy joined the European single currency, the Euro, in 1999, it didn't do it in the right terms. Romano Prodi, Italy's PM that spearheaded joining the common currency, argues Italy did not adopt the most sensible economic policies after joining. Italy had a long tradition of frequent devaluations of the lira to compensate for high prices and wage inflation. By sacrificing exchange rate and monetary policy independence, Italy needed a completely different model to remain competitive, such as supply-side reforms to keep labor costs low. Germany, in fact, adopted supply-side reforms and continues to remain competitive today. Instead, Silvio Berlusconi's government, between 2001 and 2006, did the opposite, leading to a progressive loss of competitiveness against other EU countries, especially Germany and France. The EU enlargement to Central and Eastern Europe and China's accession to the World Trade Organization led to further manufacturing weakness in the Italian economy. The big blows, however, came with the financial crash of 2007 and 2009 and the EU sovereign debt crisis. The COVID pandemic and the Russian war have certainly not helped and Italy has always tended to suffer more than its neighbors. This brings us on to the current weaknesses and makes us wonder, where did Italy go wrong? It was the fastest growing country in the OECD for 40 plus years But in the last 25 years, it was the slowest growing. What happened? Italy presents a number of structural weaknesses, such as unflexible labor markets, massive differences between North and South, corruption, ease of doing business, bureaucracy, low productivity levels, demographics, political instability, and the list could go on. Let's dissect these further, starting with the deep economic weaknesses afflicting the country. Economic weakness, Sean? I know many will say the Italian economy is healthier than a few years back and the country bounced back hard from COVID-19. But I'm not too optimistic, as the only reason for the bounce back was fiscal stimulus. The EU stimulus packages made Italy one of the largest recipients and Italy is still riding the fiscal wave. But recently it is actually slowing down and the government seems to be unable to even spend large chunks of the money given to them. The labor market is one of the biggest issues for the Italian economy, characterized by very low flexibility. It is just way too hard to hire and fire people in the country. Getting rid of workers is long and complicated and subject to eternal lawsuits. Too many young people are on precarious temporary contracts while elders hold more secure, permanent positions. Italy continues to have very high unemployment and a staggeringly high youth unemployment rate. The share of young people, not in employment, education or training, is 22%, the highest rate in the EU. The rate of female participation, around 54%, is the lowest in all the EU. The business climate is also subpar. Italy has way too many small and mid-sized enterprises, most of which are family owned. More than France and Germany combined Half of Italians work in micro companies with less than 10 employees. These companies are not too keen on hiring capable people, but prefer friends and family. These companies also don't tend to invest much in research and development. The country spends 1.5% of GDP on R&D, half as much as Germany does. Foreign direct investment in the country is the lowest among the G7 and it scores really badly in rankings of places good to do business. In the World Bank's 2020 report on ease of doing business, it ranked 58th below Serbia and Belarus. Humiliating! Startup costs are among the highest in the EU with fees to notaries adding up to 75% of the entire bill. Electricity is also more expensive than most EU countries. While Italy's manufacturing base has held up so far, the services sector is where deep problems are present. It desperately needs to be opened up to competition. Services firms make their money from rent-seeking and license capture not from their competitiveness in a free market. There are too many privileged groups holding preferential treatment and these include pharmacies, taxi drivers, beach concession holders, small retailers, lawyers and notaries. All of these benefit from a network of privileged concessions that keep out competitors and are handed down from father to son, leading to inefficiencies and low productivity. Italy's biggest companies, such as Enel, Eni, and Telecom Italia, are protected and benefit from significant political connections. No government wants to be associated with closing down the national airline and Italy's oldest bank, Banca Monte dei Paschi di Siena, preferring to continue to provide state backed bailouts. All these factors lead to very low labor productivity which is one of the reasons Italian wages and growth have stagnated for over 20 years. Labor market inflexibility, protected incumbents and a broader lack of social trust do most to discourage Italian firms from investing and foreign investors from coming in. Let's now move towards the epicenter of Italian inefficiency, politics and the public sector. Political instability is a typical feature of Italy's daily routine, just as normal as your morning cup of coffee. Political instability has always affected reform and represents a high cost to taxpayers, given the many levels of government and the excessive pay and perks attached. The many levels of government contribute to the high tax burden on the population and corporations. Turnout at elections continues to drop, implying a complete disdain for the Italian political class and loss of trust. Strangely, there is some stability in the government now, with a right-wing coalition led by Giorgia Meloni. But this begs the question, well, how inefficient is the government? Tax evasion is more extensive in Italy than most EU countries given the large gap between what should be and actually is collected in V18. In fact, a large black economy is inhibiting growth and the government's ability to maneuver. Surprisingly, this isn't a priority for the current government. Complicated and slow government bureaucracy and cumbersome tax regulation further deteriorate the ease of doing business in the country. Long delays in receiving permits is a daily struggle. Andrea Capussela, an economist and author of The Political Economy of Italy's Decline, highlighted that the country's rule of law and the control of corruption have significantly deteriorated since the 1990s compared to its European peers. Corruption, especially in southern Italy, continues to plague the country, represents a significant drag on growth italy's justice system has long been one of the most dysfunctional in europe as it doesn't seem capable of punishing people for their crimes years and years of political instability and inefficiency have taken their toll on the public sector which leads italy in low labor productivity low quality and inefficiency public services continue to be underfunded as successive governments have focused on boosting pensions at the expense of healthcare and education. While healthcare is free in the country, the reality is significantly different as it cannot be relied upon unless in emergencies. Waiting times are painfully long. In the meantime, the private healthcare industry is booming as there is a large loss of trust in the public healthcare system. Italy's education system continues to worsen. A common benchmark, PISA, highlights that Italy's scores for mathematics, science, and reading are all well below average in the OECD. The share of 25 to 34-year-olds who had completed tertiary education was the lowest in the OECD, apart from Mexico. This is the result of years of underinvestment and continued cuts in favor of an aging society and the growing pensions. Spending on pensions at around 15% is five times as much as spending on education, the highest ratio in Europe. This is a clear indication the country favors the old over the young. This brings us perfectly towards another major challenge, an aging society. Italy's National Statistics Agency, Istat, reported in April that the Italian birth rate hit its lowest level since 1861. Its population declined by 179,000 in 2022, and this includes a net migration of 129,000 people Italy's population peaked in 2015 at just over 60 million and is now shrinking rapidly. Estat's forecast of a population of 48 million in 2070 is just way too optimistic. It assumes a rebound in fertility rates to 1.5 children per female, but its current fertility rate is 1.24, which fell from 1.25 in the previous year. Only one region in Italy has 1.5 children per female, and that is the rich German speaking region of Trentino Alto Adige. The country is in a vicious cycle of declining fertility, declining birth, increasing age of first child and larger proportion of elderly. The UN is forecasting a decline to 44.3 million people by 2070. Italy has the second lowest birth rate in Europe and one of the fastest aging populations. The working age population continues to shrink. Given the economic problems afflicting the labor force, I don't see how the economy can possibly rebound in a significant way with such a dismal demographic outlook. Droves of young Italians are either moving abroad are moving to the north of the country. In fact, regional migration is very significant as people from southern and central Italy continue to migrate north to greener pastures. But why do people migrate from south to north? The south of Italy continues to be the country's biggest Achilles heel. The region is one of the most troubled in the entire EU. History and culture are mostly to blame for the massive gap with the north of the country. However, since Italy's unification in 1861, southern Italy actually caught up to almost 70% of average GDP between 1950 and the 1970s. However, since then, it has fallen back to 50%. Every challenge we have highlighted so far is worse in the south of Italy you name it, infrastructure, education, corruption, investment, labor markets. Puglia has been a bright spot in recent years, but even the tourism industry hasn't performed nearly as well as it could have. More people visit the Balearic Islands in Spain than all of southern Italy. Well, we have gone over a lot here, and the challenges the country faces are tough, but one key question is still missing. Does the government actually have the will to tackle tough and unpopular reforms to fix Italy's underlying structural weaknesses? The answer is probably a big fat no. Italy needs a Margaret Thatcher, but is stuck with a government focused on clientelism and corporatism and not competition and free markets. The Meloni government has clearly demonstrated that it supports the privileged groups that fend off competition and hold back growth, namely taxi drivers and beach concessions. Too little is also being done to address the demographic crisis. Italy just seems to be muddling through right now. It continues to be the sick man of Europe and is constantly taking the wrong medicine for its problems. The standard of living continues to fall but the government is more worried about culture wars and keeping the elders happy than actually building the foundations for the future of the nation. There are countless examples of sick countries in Europe that turned things around in the previous decades, you name it. Greece, Spain and Portugal in recent years and the Netherlands and Britain in the last century. But the current priorities of the government are just way too different. Let me remind everybody that when Europe grows, Italy tends to grow more slowly. And when Europe falls, Italy has always tended to fall back more. The current growth and optimism in the Italian economy is nothing more than a short-term cyclical boost from massive EU fiscal stimulus, which will probably fade away very soon. Until significant reforms are made, Italy will just continue to muddle through. Thank you and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Crock Time. Please leave a review and follow me on Instagram and I'll be back next time with more insightful research.